In what ways is fearing what others think a trap? If we were to prioritize Christ's approval over the approval of others, how might that change our lives and our relationships? Well, let's talk about that in today's episode of our series called Chasing Carrots, A Continual Pursuit for More. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are joining us today, that you downloaded this new episode. Uh, We're in week four of our series called Chasing Carrots, uh, the continual pursuit of more. And uh, we're just so, again, so thankful that you are uh, joining us and have been with us all week or last four weeks, I should say. Um, this is a five-week series, and, and so uh, we thank you for those of you that are uh, pushing everything in and, and listening in and, and just continually giving us support, uh, both in prayer and financially. We truly appreciate that. Hey, um, next week, uh, we're going to be wrapping up this series, talking about something very important. We're going to be talking about the elusive uh, pursuit of comfort. Uh, in our culture today, everybody wants to be comfortable, yet it's almost impossible to live by faith and to pursue comfort at the very same time. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to start a new series uh, that I hope will help us understand how to give God control over our lives. And we're going to call that series, Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. And so we hope you'll join us uh, for that one as well. Today, though, we're going to be talking about the pursuit of approval of approval. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? The battle of trying to please people over trying to please God. So my question to start everything off with is how many of you sometimes worry about what other people think, right? What do you, how, how do you worry about what other people think and the things that we do maybe on a daily basis, a weekly basis, an hourly basis, whatever it is, do we seek the approval uh, from other other people, right? I like what Harriet, Harriet uh, Breaker says. She writes this, the disease to please is actually a form of addiction. She says, like a drug addict seeks drugs, people pleasers seek approval. So how do we know if we're actually battling with this need to please? Well, I'm going to give you three problems that people pleasers battle, okay? The first one uh, is this, you obsess about what other people think. <laughs> right? Simple enough. Pretty pretty obvious, right? You obsess with what other people think. Do you like my new outfit? Do you like the music that I listen to? Do you like my hairstyle? Do you like the picture that I posted? Are we okay? Why didn't you respond when I texted you? Why did it take so long for you to respond? All those things, right? And for me, it's an, I'm incredibly vulnerable to this as well. Uh, perhaps the most vulnerable time is actually after I preach a message on on a Sunday. Or uh, when I, after I get done with a podcast and I'm wondering, how did I do? Did I do okay? Were people receiving what I was talking about, right? We obsess about what other people think. The second big challenge that people pleasers battle is this. You're often overly sensitive to criticism. We're overly sensitive to suggestions or any type of criticism. 
uh, your supervisor makes a suggestion about your performance and you fall apart. You, you get one negative comment, you get, you get difficult feedback, your child tells you what they really think about your parenting or whatever, right? And suddenly you fall apart. A hundred people can say something positive about you, but you get one piece of pushback and suddenly you'll find yourself really, really struggling because people pleasers obsess about what others think. We're often overly obsessed and overly sensitive to criticism, right? And number three is you actually have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time saying no. Oftentimes, we're so obsessed with what other people think about us, we struggle to say that word no when we realize that we really should. You may find yourself avoiding conflict at all costs. You you don't want to hurt someone else's feelings, and so you're going to try to do everything to smooth everything out, right? The kids come by your door selling wrapping paper, and what do you do? You buy the wrapping paper that you'll never use, the magazines that you'll never read, right? Uh, you go to the party that you're, you're dreading, and you go out with the guy that you'd rather not see ever again. Why? Because you find it so difficult to say no. Some of you, this is exactly where you live. You're, you're overcommitted all the time, and someone else asks you, can you, can you help out? And you say, well, sure, because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, why not? Because I don't have anything better to do in my life, right? You find yourself overcommitting things. Here's what scripture says in regards to this. It comes from Proverbs 29, 25. It says this, fear of a man will prove to be a snare. Okay, now let's talk about that word snare, okay? The Hebrew word translated as snare is the word that means a noose, a noose for catching animals, or it means a hook that was generally in the nose of an animal, okay? Now, uh, I, I'm going to kind of describe this as best I can, but it's it's kind of that, that, that look of when, you know, you see it like on a, an ox or uh, maybe a cow or uh, whatever, but they have that little ring hook in their nose, right? Now, let's just say you put that in your nose, or let's put it in my nose, right? And this is what the fear of man is like. It's like an animal being pulled around by that hook all the time, right? Because you are hooked on what someone else may think, okay? We're hooked, and we're being pulled in all different directions. Fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. It's not of God. But Scripture says this, right? It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe, right? Fear of what people think. It will always be a trap that will pull you away from God's will, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Fearing what people think is a trap. It's a snare. It's not to be taken lightly either. It's not one of those things that we just think, well, everybody does it, so everybody's going to struggle with it, and so might as well just deal with it, right? It's actually quite destructive, and we have to recognize it's not just a relational problem. Everything that we've talked about in the last four weeks, at its core, at its root, is a spiritual issue. And so I just want you to think about this in your life. When you become obsessed with what they, and you know who they are, right? It's the people that are around us, okay? When you, obs- you become obsessed with what people think, it is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. Can I say that again? When you become obsessed with what people think, it's the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. And know this, right now, you know, every person that's listening to this podcast, God has a very specific opinion about each and every one of you. He really does. Obsessed with people is the fastest way to forget what God says. So we have to have a different goal. We have to. We've got to pursue something different instead of living for the approval of them, whoever they are, right, the people around us. We have to literally build our lives around living for God and God alone.
not just in theory, but in actuality. We have to learn how to live for his will, for his purpose, and for his glory, period. Okay, period. In fact, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians in Galatians 1.10, and he talks about this. He, he wrote, Paul wrote, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, I want you to understand something for a second. You, you, you got to understand the people in Galatia knew all the things in Paul's life that, that he went through that gave him credibility to his word, right? Paul had been in prison multiple times, shipwrecked and left for dead, shunned by his peer group who used to be the, the religious elite, okay? And, and all the Galatians saw this. And so obviously he wasn't living for the approval of people, but for the purpose of Christ. But the challenge is this. I don't think it's so quite so obvious, right, for us. I don't think it's quite so obvious for us. He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. To be a servant means you place yourself under someone or something. And so if we are going to place ourselves under the approval of people, then we can't place ourselves under the approval of Christ. Okay, You can put yourself under one or the other, but you cannot live for both. That's a harsh reality. Okay, so can we have a little real talk today? Could we just, you know, have an honest conversation about this? Because the truth is, we are drawn, right? Just like the hook in the nose, we're, we're pulled, we're drawn to caring about what other people think of us. And so today I want to talk about two facts, all right, that we find in the, in the disease to please. These are two facts about the disease to please. Number one, as much as we don't want to admit this, pleasing people is a form of idolatry. Okay? Pleasing people is a form of idolatry. Is that a good enough gut punch for you today, right? Pleasing people is a form of idolatry. Last week, uh, last week episode, we talked about the 613 Levitical laws that the Israelites, the people of God, had to, uh, had to aspire to live by. Now, we didn't talk about all 613 because it would be the longest podcast episode ever. But, <laughs> well, those, uh, those 613 rules, they started with 10. And of the 10 commandments, there was the first commandment. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. So some of you are listening to this, and you're like, well, I'm good. I don't have figures that I bound down to in my living room. I don't have any Buddhas or anything like that. I'm, I'm good. You know, this is not applicable to me. So uh, I'll just kind of skim over this part, right? I'll just kind of listen, but be in the background, right? No. Well, what is idolatry? It is putting something above God. It is thinking about, pursuing, spending more time chasing after anything more than you chase after God. That is idolatry. All through the Bible, we see this idea that God is a jealous God. Well, what does that mean? That means that he wants to be the sole purpose, the sole source of your identity, your heart, your affection, your thoughts, and anything else that we please before, before him, that we place before him. Sorry, He becomes jealous of what gets your attention and mine. It is idolatry, okay? In fact, Jesus spoke of this in the Gospel of John 12. So in three and a half years of his public ministry, understand that Jesus literally took blind people and spoke to them, and now they're seeing. He took people who were lame, they could not walk, and by his word and by his power, they're walking. People that had leprosy cleansed them, right? Dead people, he breathed life into them. And it wasn't just his followers that saw this, right? It wasn't just his 12 disciples and the, the, the few hundred people that followed him or the thousands of people that followed him. There's a group of religious leaders known as the Pharisees that were also eyewitnesses, yet 
refused to publicly acknowledge faith that he, that he is the Christ. In fact, Jesus described their idolatry this way in John 12, 42. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. And then he goes on in verse 43, he says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. It's idolatry. Anytime you love anything more than your creator, it's idolatry. And it doesn't always start with the big stuff. It often starts with seemingly innocent little things that you try to do to please someone else. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, I'm going to date myself here. You're going to be able to figure out my age from this. Uh, I was in high school from uh, 1988 through 1992, graduated in 1992. And and I'm going to tell you, I I believe that in this era, it was likely the glory years of TV shows. I, I really believe that. We were just kind of easing out of the love boat and fantasy island, right? And they had like edgy shows started coming out like Magnum P.I., you know, Dallas, uh, where we had Who Shot J.R., right? Some of you are listening is going, who the heck is J.R.? You're going to have to Google it, okay? <laughs> then the music was changing as well. We had bands like The Cure, Def Leppard, groups like Boys to Men, New Kids on the Block, artists like MC Hammer, Madonna, Michael Jackson. All these people are just starting to come out and are being popular and all this stuff. And then there was... The one artist who came along and absolutely changed my life. Changed my life. And he was my favorite, obviously. I listened to his music 24-7. You know, in the car, on the way, and to, to and from school, uh, to my job. I'd be listening to his music in my bedroom. Uh, anywhere I was going, I had my Sony Walkman on listening to his cassette tape. If you need to understand what those two things are, you'll have to Google those as well. Okay? <laughs> but his name was... Rob Van Winkle, or maybe you better known, uh, know him as Vanilla Ice, okay? And if you're not quite sure who this is, um, you'll have to Google it as well, okay? Uh, he, he had a, a unique outfit, uh, it's all red, white, and blue, that he did all of his concerts in, um, and his hair, uh, let's just say, had this big poof and these lines uh, in the middle of his kind of uh, in above his ear and the top of his head, like three lines that he kind of like shaved in and everything. I'm not sure why he had this look, but that's what he was. But because of his culture and my obsession with Vanilla Ice, I'll just say I may or may not have walked into sophomore English class with his haircut. You know, I, I, I may or may not. I'm just going to point that out. But it starts with little stuff like that, right? Don't I look cool? No, you look like an idiot. But it could be things like, well, I laughed at the joke that I probably should have not laughed at, and I told the lie to kind of save face. I maybe told a slight exaggeration to make myself look better. There was an opportunity actually to share my faith at one point, and I feel just weird about this whole thing, so I'm just going to let that opportunity pass, right? Maybe the next time. And we go on and on and on with all these different things, seemingly innocent moments of choosing your behavior based on what they or whoever they are, are going to think of you. Please hear me on this, okay? Not only is this idolatry, but it hurts the heart of God. It hurts the heart of God because we care about them, those people, right? The, the, the people that we worried about what they think of us more than we care about him. Really, if we listen to that, if we dive into our lives, think about that. We care a lot of times more about them right, 
then we care about him. Pleasing people is a form of idolatry. But I've got some really good news. And this is a second thought about the, about the disease to please. Ready? The good news is this. The approval of God sets us free from the disease to please, right? Once and for all, his approval, his thought of you is the key that liberates you from this bondage, this, this prison of other people's thoughts. And Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. He, he says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, right? His word, the good news. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. And then he goes on in verse 6. Listen to this. I love this part. We were not looking to praise, uh, look, I'll, I'll spit that out again. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Love that, right? Just think about how freeing this could be for you, how liberating it could be just to let that get into your spirit, into your heart. We cannot please everyone no matter how hard we try, right? You, you can please one group, and then the other group will be disappointed in you. You get everything right to please that group, then you've now changed their mind, right? And now you're no longer pleasing the other group, right? It's, it's impossible. We cannot please everyone, but we can please God. And because what Christ has done for us, we are forgiven and we can be absolutely changed. If you think about it, your worth is based purely on one thing, and it has nothing to do with your neighbors, your family, or your coworkers. And if I'm transparent, which I try to be all the time, I've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years. I've been a pastor for 20 and a half years. And I've come to this belief that every chronic sin struggle that exists in, 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 this, in this world, in our lives, has a singular cause, a singular source. Somewhere along the lines, you and I bought a lie. We bought a lie. And that lie creates this emptiness inside of us that somehow we have to medicate, right? We have to medicate. We have to fill that emptiness. One of the reasons that I'm so passionate about spending my entire life in ministry is not because of all the changed lives that I see, although that's a huge part of it, right? That's, that's a big part of it. But it's primarily because I am one of those changed lives. My life wouldn't be what it is had God not reached down and said, Dan, I have more for you. What you're doing in your life at this time is not what my son died for you, okay? For, I got more for you, you know? And that's what he did many, many years ago. So let me get up into your business for a minute today. There are lies that you, that need to be replaced with the truth, right? That you have that need to be replaced with truth. And you have to let that get into you. And what you will discover when you allow the power of God to wash over you, to let it overcome you, it will liberate you from the need to live for the approval of anyone. Because you know that you are already enough in Christ, right? There's nothing that you could do to make him love you more or love you any less today, not because you're good, but because Jesus died. And when God views you, if you are in Christ, he's viewing you through the lens of grace, He's viewing you through the lens of sacrifice by the perfect son of God. So who are you? You are the workmanship of God and Jesus Christ, prepared in advance for God to do all kinds of things through your life. You are an adopted child of God. You are blessed with when you go in in this world and you are blessed when you go out of this world, right? The Bible says that the promises of God are this, yes and amen. 
For those in Christ Jesus, you are forgiven of your sins if you know Jesus. The Bible says that you are no longer a prisoner, but you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our story, and you are not what you think they think about you. You are only what God says about you. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. And when you let that penetrate your heart, then you're like, I'm not afraid of what people think because I'm his. I'm not going to obsess with their opinions. I'm going to keep driving the junky car. You're not worried about that, right? Because I don't care what other people think. We start making different decisions because we know who we are and what we're worth because I'm accepted. No one can steal my joy. No one can rob me of my purpose. And no one can take away who I am and whose I am. We need this, right? Every sin struggle, I believe, starts with a lie that we've believed, and it is the power of God's word that liberates us from the disease to please. Because at the end of the day, the fear of man, it's a snare, it's a trap, and a bunch of us are stuck in that trap. Amen to that, right? But he says, whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And so my belief today is that I I believe God's going to work a lot of our hearts today. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you'll join us next week as we wrap up our series of Chasing Carrots, a continual pursuit for more. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast in Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.